Hello and Happy New Year, Jambos. Welcome back to another episode of the Perth Paisley podcast uh, with me, your host, Adam Kennedy. And joining me as always today is my co-host, Daniel McIver. What's going on, Daniel? Hello. How are you? I'm not bad, thanks, mate. Um, so we've got plenty to discuss today, including the Derby Day defeat to Hibs at Tynecastle, the draw with the Dons, at obviously the same venue, and a load of transfer targets that have been discussed in the press and yeah that, that we've thought of so yeah plenty to plenty to discuss straight away so the Hibs game Boxing Day everybody in high spirits until six minutes in to the derby at Tynecastle <laughs> Daniel what were your thoughts on the game I genuinely there will have been times in my life but I can't remember of it I can't remember the a time ever, home or away or in neutral venues where we've played that, not even just badly, just didn't offer anything. We were terrible. The best point I can make is that the second goal Hibs scored is exactly how Celtic got their goal when Demur just lost it. And we clearly, Demur has just not learned from that at all. We had players who just seemed to be walking about the place during a derby which is inexcusable. We had people who just seemed to be doing random things that they just wanted to do themselves. Um, There was times where certain players would just go, right, no one else is doing anything, so I'm just going to have to go for this myself. And then as a result, they would just be out of position massively. Hibs didn't even get out of second gear, honestly, and looked 10 times the team that we were. Yeah, I I mean, I I totally agree. I think... I think the biggest annoyance for me is the fact that ultimately, I mean, you touched on the second there, the fact that it's taken two mistakes for us for them to score both goals. And I think I think our cutting edge, or lack of, it really concerns me. Um, I think the second half in particular, I mean, the game, the game was done at half-time, if we're being honest. The second mm. half, we probably had the better proceedings, but never really never really looked like scoring like you say and I think I think for Hibs that was that was a, a chance where they probably could have and really should have humiliated us really at home. Um I mm-hmm. I'm also with you in that I can't recall I can't recall us performing that badly, particularly at Tiny in a derby. It's uh it's very worrying. I think, I mean, there were very few positives, but for me, I think the, the, I don't know, the, the primary negative that kind of summed up the day was Jake Mulraney having these AirPods in, in the warm up. I mean, you're basically well, asking, this is you're asking thing. for a failure after that, aren't you? Really? This is the big thing that was the talking point. Um, I think Stephen Elliott initially sent out the tweet being like it's just disgraceful you should be getting yourself involved in the atmosphere of a derby it, it, involved in the atmosphere in any game but especially a derby blah, blah, blah. a lot of people jumped on him on twitter i think not helped by the fact that his performance itself was horrific he was one of the worst players in the park now jake himself came out and explained something that they were getting shown drills for set pieces he turned his ear pods off quickly nipped to the toilet then just was told you have to get out so just forgot they were in which is i mean take that as you will however it is just symptomatic of the current team just now that we're even involved in this talking point and that this is an actual talking point for a club absolutely mate i think um i think you touched on his performances. Ultimately, when we are as low down as we are in the table, this should be about a, a united feel. And I think if you give off that impression, it's almost like he's not really interested. It's as though he's he's waiting on this supposed move to mm-hmm. Atlanta to come. And I, I really don't know. It's, it's, an, it's an odd one as well, because he's the only recognised winger in the squad. And he's not, mm-hmm. he's not even of a, I mean, I don't even think he's of a decent standard for us, personally. I think if you, 
if you were to ask the majority of Hearts fans, would they want to keep Jake Mulraney at the club or take the 200k? I think everybody's cashing in, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. I think um, when it was when it came out in the papers or the general media that it was a bid of that size as well. It wasn't even that it was like, oh, Jake Mulraney's going to the MLS and it's for like 50k. It's for a quarter of a million. I think. A play, even a player who's doing okay for us, if a bid came in for a quarter of a million, we'd probably have to jump at that. But when a player is doing so badly for us and the fan base has just went, no, you're not good enough, we'd be stupid not to just jump at that. Yeah, to- totally agree. Um, I was going to ask your thoughts on the statement that he put out. Like, are you buying that? Or do you think he's at it's, it? It's hard, isn't it? Because... He's going to come out because it was such a big thing that he was always going to have to make a comment. He was always going to have to do that. And the the his response, whether you want to call it his story or what actually happened or his statement or whatever you want to call it, it was fair enough. If that is what happened, fair enough. But the big kind of point that I have with it is if your point was that you were being told, oh, um, we were getting set pieces. Why have you got your phones in with that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know. I I get the feeling that it's not even like, it's not even like it's, that he's not paying attention. I feel like it's, I don't know, some sort of like confidence enhancer thing. Do you know how you get these, mm-hmm. these kind of, these apps like Headspace or Mind, and they try and either send you to sleep or they like they try and boost your morale somehow. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly get the feeling that it's one of them. That's an interesting point because, of course, we know that Jake has been very open with the fact that he's been going to see sports psychologists and that, as we have said, I think, in previous episodes, never have we seen a more confidence-based player at Tynecastle in at least the last decade to be honest so apps like that could really help jake and especially if it's in a massive game now the other argument people will use is that you shouldn't need it for that level of game however we don't know what's going on in his head as previously said he's been very very open alongside sean claire um it is a it is a fair point i actually didn't think of anything like that so it is a it's definitely a fair point but but i mean because i because i can't see him chucking on some like rave tunes or something to get the blood <laughs> pumping because like you say it's i mean it's an edinburgh derby you should be up for this considering there's twenty thousand inside that ground that are ultimately paying your wage the very least you can do in this sort of game is put in a performance I'm, I'm i mean if they if they beat us and they're the better side fair play but the, the very minimum i'm expecting this doesn't go obviously in just a derby game this is I mean, every league fixture is that you're giving your all because you want to get us up that table as as fast you can, and i i don't get the, I don't get that impression from from Mulraney, if I'm honest with you. Well, that was the one thing that I actually felt in the derby. There was players like Claire Bazanich when he came on, and despite him not being able to do anything much with it, I felt Uchi was the same. Where those three in particular were just like, right, no one's doing anything. So I'm going to actually go for this and just at least try. And we'll obviously get on to the Aberdeen game and Sean Clare. But that's, especially in our current situation, that's all we give a shit about. We just want you to look like you can be arsed. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And you touched on Sean Clare just there. I think over the last two games, and probably since Daniel Stendhal's come in, I think he's... Mm-hmm. Put a lot of fans on site. Um, I feel like he's one of, I'm not going to say very few, but certainly one of the main ones that looks as though he gives a shit, and that's that's very encouraging. Um, I think I think he's excellent in this right back role. I'm I'm really enjoying watching him play there, to be honest. And I think the the versatility that Michael Smith can now offer in either centre back or as a central midfielder. If Sean clears it right back, I'm I'm all for it. I'm I'm slightly gutted that he's suspended for Ross County now, and 
but I, th- I think he's been excellent as of late. I really do. What's your thoughts? Well, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because um, it's very interesting because you I I said that you'd um, get rid of Sean Clare. I knew you were going to say that. Listen, I also I also said that I'd keep Glenn Whelan, and it looks like nobody fancies him either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so take from that what you will. Um, no, I mean I I've, I've got to be honest. I'm I've, I hold my hands off about Sean Clare. He's 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 proving me wrong week by week. So. Listen, if, if I slag him off and he continues to prove me wrong, then I'll just berate him till the end of the season and we'll see what happens. He might be the next the next Ballon d'Or winner. Is this you trying to insinuate that your criticism of Sean Clare has made him a better player? I mean, I wouldn't go into that deeply, Daniel, but if, if you fancy look at it like that, mate, then, uh, then yeah, why, why not? <laughs> well, obviously, I have been standing by Sean Clare for the entire time. Um, not the entire time. I have just always been the type of person who has been like, I've, o- I've always thought there was a player in there. I just never knew where he played. And I always felt really bad for him because Levine was like, he's going to be our best player ever. And he clearly was never going to be at that level. But he was clearly going to be able to come in and do a job. And I thought I'd mention it just now or whenever we got on to speaking about Sean Clare, I, I thought I'd mention it as Connor Washington was this, I think it was on Friday, was interviewed by the Evening News and he said something that I found really interesting which I think can be compared to Sean Clare with where Washington was asked what Stendhal's training sessions are like and he said it's great to finally be actually coached which says a lot about the previous situation we were in but I think that's been the biggest thing for Sean Clare, that he finally has a manager now who's actually going to coach him and actually going to be able to put him into situations without just going, oh, you're playing there. He's going to be like, right, you're playing here. This is what I want you to do. And this is how I want you to do it. And it means that he's been able to have a lot more confidence and the fans have taken to that in their numbers. Absolutely. And I, I think, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. I I do, I do like Claire. I, I always have liked Claire. I've wanted him to succeed. I think under Levine, there were there were a couple couple glimmers of hope that he could be a great midfield player. Um, and ultimately, it was his inconsistency that led me to change my mind. But that being said, ever since Daniel Stendel's come in, he has been consistently very good at right back. So. I'm more than happy to go back on my word there, 100%. Well, I think then, because I don't want to speak about Hibs anymore, we will move on to a game where I was actually, before everything happened, less confident of getting any points out of. We went to the final game of the decade. It was at Tynecastle. As I said in the previous episode, I took my mate Michael to his first game. So, Oh yeah, shout out Michael. Great guy. Yes, who... He commented on the last video saying thank you for the shout out. So <laughs> there's another one, Michael. Um, before we speak about the actual what happened in the game, how were you feeling going into it, especially after the derby? And then did your opinion change when you saw the lineup? Um, do you know what? It might seem a bit bizarre, and I don't know if it's because. If it's because of my mates that support Hibs and I don't really have any Aberdeen connections, but I actually felt a little bit more confident going into the Aberdeen game than I had against Hibs, which sounds really bizarre. But I think, ultimately, under Levine, in the League Cup, we still somehow managed to scrape... I mean, I know it was on pens, but we still scraped a win against Aberdeen. And I think their Mm. record at Tynecastle is shocking. I think the absence of Sam Cosgrove was a big help. They weren't nearly as threatening uh, without Cosgrove as they are, obviously, with him. And, yeah, I, I mean, I, I felt slightly... Not confident, per se, but I, I didn't think that we'd lose. I didn't think that we'd get gubbed. Um, the Hibs game I was definitely more nervous for, but I think the lineup sprung a couple surprises in the Aberdeen game. Um but I think I think we were pleasantly surprised on the whole. Would you not you not go along with that? 
Yeah, definitely. I I was kind of being like, oh god, because I I was the opposite of you. I was like, I wouldn't say I was confident going into the Hibs game, but I had a little bit more confidence going into the Hibs game than Aberdeen. Um, and then I saw the lineup, and I was like, regardless of what happens today, he's clearly he has now decided the players he doesn't trust. Yeah, I I mean uh, I I agree with that. I think I think he was also willing to give. A couple others a chance, um, and that's obviously big to see. Obviously, you've talked about trust there. That this is the best, the best kind of stage performance that you can give to prove that you're worth the manager's backing or whatever. So, yeah, I I, I agree with you there. And then, again, obviously, I was with my mate Michael, who had never seen a Hearts game before, so he was like, "What do you think?" And I. I was honest, and I was like, I do think we're going to get beat here today, but I think we'll have a better performance than we did against Hibs. However, one, I didn't expect the level of performance we had, and two, and it's something that I really want to focus on, I said to him, I was like, don't expect the place to be loud, don't expect it to be really energetic and the crowd behind the fans, because the current situation, they won't. And I couldn't have been more wrong. The entire stadium from the first minute to the last was fully behind the squad and you saw the difference it made. Absolutely spot on. I mean, we, we've talked about this at length. I think... I don't know whether the team felt that they perhaps had a point to prove after the Hibs game, but I totally agree with you. I thought that the, the atmosphere matched the intensity and that we were right up for it. Probably looking to... Yeah, probably just looking to prove that we can get results against the so-called better teams in the league. I mean, I've got to be honest, I thought Aberdeen really didn't offer much. I, like And like I say, without Sam Cosgrove, I think they're bang average. I really do. Even their better players like Lewis Ferguson, I was expecting more from. But then we'd, we had a midfield general who I'm now referring to as the Portobello Pirlo that was excellent on the day when Lewis Ferguson ultimately couldn't get near Andy Irving who I thought was absolutely sensational I don't know about you I think the big talking point coming out of that game was Andy Irving despite Machino scoring a screamer and us having a really good performance Andy Irving was the first thing everybody seemed to mention Um, I think it was Robert Borthwick who sent out a tweet being like absolutely loved the fact that for 90 minutes somehow the Aberdeen midfielders never caught on to the fact that Irving was just taking the ball out there where he's left transitioning it onto his right and then playing a ball and it was like I can't remember the last time we've had a midfielder who despite his age just looks so composed looks like he's ready for everything and I'll be honest you were speaking about you with Sean Clare I have been quite open about the fact that up until the Aberdeen game I didn't think Irvin was ready yet I thought he's gonna be ready and when he comes into the team in terms of first team quality he's going to be the one of the first names in the team sheet every week but I honestly was like I don't know if he's ready yet that Aberdeen game proved to me that I was totally wrong he needs to be starting every week obviously he's not going to be undroppable if he has a string of bad performances he'll be left at the team but he was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, f- fully agree. I think I th- it, it impressed me earlier on, like like the United game at Tynecastle mm-hmm. in the League Cup. I thought he was brilliant. Um, and those those loan spells because he's had a couple. I think um, Berwick Rangers and Falkirk I'm led to believe. I think off the top of my head. And yeah, he just he seems to be seems to be grabbing this chance. And like you say. It just looks so assured beyond these years. Like, I was really impressed. And I loved when he came out and said about the whole risk-taking malarkey under Stendhal and that if it doesn't work out, that's where the high press comes in. So I'm I'm fully on board with it. He, he seems to be wanting to play in a team that can entertain. And whilst we might not be that yet, I think it's it's very encouraging for the future, definitely. But and I also think Irving was just a part of what I think the weekend was the first time we got we saw what Steno can actually bring to us because for the first time in months we were a team that we very rarely just went long ball. We got it on the deck, 
passed our way out of trouble and just actually made really good passing moves. And it showed that we clearly do have the players to be able to do that. They just need to be told you're allowed to do it. You, you go and have the confidence. And exactly as you said, Irvin spoke about the risk taking. Stendhal clearly is just like, listen, if you do something that doesn't work, that's fine. It's going to eventually work if you keep doing it. Quite interestingly, I was listening to the David Temple in an interview with Cy Ferry and Temp spoke about the fact that under Jeffries, Jeffries just told him, just try and beat the man every single time. It might not work nine times out of ten, but the one time it does, you're able to get in and put a ball in and we'll score. And it's that seems to be what Stendhal's installing, especially in the young players. It's just, listen, you're going to make mistakes. That's totally fine because everybody else around you is going to be pushing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 keeping it simple almost, isn't it? It's it's just it seems yeah. a bit it seems a bit basic. But if he does, if he excels in the basics, then he deserves a place in the team and to keep his place in the team. I really, I really think it is just as simple as that, to be honest. And then we, it's interesting because we were playing really well. Place was bouncing, and I was like, we need to get a goal because otherwise. They're going to cut. I thought we were going to have to get a goal before half time. I was like, if we get a goal before half time, that changes the game. We obviously didn't, but then Machino comes out and just play. It's a fantastic hit. Looking at it from a neutral perspective, he should have been shut down earlier, but that doesn't matter. It's still a fantastic hit. And then we get to the turning point of the game where a free kick gets given. We will speak about Alan Muir's performance in a wee minute because that needs time dedicated to itself. However, he's he's given the free kick. The free kick is played incredibly quickly, and Sean Clare does... He takes one for the team. He kind of has to do it. Gets sent off. I will ask you a simple question. What do you think of the ovation Clare received and how much that will help him? I think it'll help him leaps and bounds, and I think it's it's fully justified. Um, I mean, if we're not asking for much, really, we're just we're just asking that you give give your best whenever you can, and just I think I think now he's found his position, and listen, I thought he was excellent against Hibs as well, um, as well as previous matches. I touched on the Celtic game when I thought he was good and whatever. Like he, I think he wants to be successful here. Um, and the sending off, if we're being honest, we switch off in the middle of the park. Like you say, they take it quick. He's got to make the challenge. Okay, he gets sent off for it. But, I mean, if if he, if he let him race through, we're looking at one all anyway. So he, 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 ha- he has to. He has to take that chance and hope that they don't score from the resulting free kick, which they obviously do. Great free kick, by the way, from McGinn. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think he can be. Because I saw some fans that quite clearly went at the game afterwards, saying mm-hmm. that Claire gets sent off and we lose a, an equaliser straight away. Up, up, up until their goal, Aberdeen were rank rotten. Like they offered next to nothing. So you can't, you can't blame the the two points dropped on Sean Claire. And I think the ovation was lovely. Um, and it shows that he's kind of moved from this scapegoat to certainly a key player in recent weeks. And long may it continue that he continues to go from strength to strength. I think there definitely is still a group of play, uh, fans. And he doesn't listen to this, so I don't give a shit. But I've, had, I've been getting into arguments with him. My dad is one of those people who just hates Sean Clare, whatever he does. My dad was at the game. But he was like, Sean Clare cost us that game. And I was like, that's just... I feel that's a very idiotic stance to take as Clare, one of our best players in the day, as you say, one of the best players in recent weeks, especially since Stendhal came in. If Sean Clare doesn't put that challenge in, people would just be attacking him for not making the challenge. So he was damned if he did, damned if he didn't. Um, And you could see how much it meant to him in terms of he was devastated that he got sent off, T-shirt over the face and stuff like that. But then you could see that he realised the ovation. I think there would have been a part of him that would have thought, as he made that, oh God, I've been getting in their good books and now I've just been sent off. I'm going to get pelters here. So I think 
on top of that, the ovation would have done wonders for him. Of course, we're going to be without him for the Ross County game. But I think he is going to be a miss. And I just hope that he does take that moment could be the turning point for him. And I really hope it is. Yeah, I think, think you're bang on the money, mate. Absolutely. To- totally agree. Um, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, and like you say, it's it's funny, isn't it, how there could have been loads of fans that would have deemed his sending off a good thing. But now we're we're all like quite gutted that it's been the case. So, listen, we, we go on to Ross County. Of course, Adrian, the cup, first of all. But, yeah, it's... Um, it's an interesting few weeks um, and of course very interesting in the sense that the January transfer window is now open um, Hearts have been linked with a few players in the first week of 2020 so um, <laughs> so yeah I, I wanted to get your thoughts on first of all I think the story that broke first of all was the fact that Hearts were interested in four Stoke City outcasts Um What's your what's your thoughts on the four, which is pretty much a spine of the team, really? Well, it it's now a three, <laughs> because yes. Etable or however you say it, is a way to Getafe. And I'll be honest, when you looked at the four, you went, "All right, okay, I'll get into all three of them in a second. But you looked at Etable and went, "I mean, they signed him for six million, and he was in the team of the year. How's he coming to us?" And then he's went to like sixth place Getafe in La Liga, and you're like, right. We were never getting him. However, <laughs> you look at the other three and you're bang on. It is literally a new spine of the team. So the goalkeeper, Paul Davies, was in the League One team of the year when he played under Daniel Stendel at Barnsley and by all accounts was one of the major reasons they finished where they did. Um, fantastic defensive record. Apparently not the most, how would you say it, acrobatic keeper maybe however when you look at who we've got I don't really want any more acrobatic goalkeepers <laughs> because Bobby's Lamal was brought in as an acrobatic keeper <laughs> so don't want that um, I just want a goalie who can just stand in front of a ball and make saves and by all accounts Paul Davis can do that you then move up to Liam Lindsay the main thing about him is that he has plenty of experience in this league as obviously only a couple of seasons ago he was at Park Thistle, went down to Stoke for I think it was around two and a half million doesn't seem to be featuring any Michael O'Neill's plans down there, I think he would be a welcome addition up here um, even if it is just end of season loan and it means that we just have that one extra option at the back, uh, especially as we're waiting for Suter and then we move, move up front and the big name that everybody obviously you look at when you first look at that thing and it's Mami Biram Juf. Obviously every football fan since 2004 probably knows who Juf is. He's had a very storied career. Um, he's a really big man but he's always had pace. Now I won't lie and pretend that I've seen him in the last couple of years. I don't know if he's lost some of that pace but when you th- think of him in the Prem that's true. That is very true. <laughs> um it's true, but but that's the thing. So, an interesting slant you could take on this is, is he going to be fit? Is he going to be able to instantly come into the squad? Because you are right, like, it is funny, but you're right, he's not been playing for Stoke. However, what I hope Juve would be, if we get Juve, obviously, we've been, we'll speak about them in a bit, we've been linked with a couple other strikers. Um, if we do get Juve, I hope he'd be like a default where he just comes up here and just kind of goes, right, I've got this. I know what I need to do and just play really well. So when I heard those three names, I was, ha- I'll be honest, I was happy with all three. What about you? Um, I, I mean, I think the goalkeeper I know next to nothing about. I mean, I, th- I, I don't even know the boy's name. I thought, I thought it was, is it not Adam Davis? I mean, I don't know. Oh, it might be, it might be Adam I, Davis. I, 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 I know absolutely nothing about him other than he was ex Barnsley under Stendhal. Cool. Liam Lindsay, obviously the Partick connection, like you said. I think he then moved to Barnsley and was part of Stendhal's team as well there, was he not? Yes. And then, and then moved his, and then, sorry, earned his move to Stoke. Um, Good player, 
good player. Def- definitely take if if we can afford him. Um, <laughs> the Mami Biram Juf rumor, however, I mean, I deemed it as unlikely as the the Etobor, the Tibor, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll be on, he'll be on racks at Stoke, um, because obviously he started out at Man United. Stoke would have to pay him a decent wage, you'd imagine, to try and tempt him away from there. But I, I can't, I can't see it. I can't see it happening. I just, I just get this vision in my head. Like Mammy Benham Juf will be sitting, not even on the Stoke bench in the Stoke stands, for all we know, at the Britannia, just collecting his paper. Why, why would he? Why on earth would he want to come up to Scotland and try and rescue Hearts? Like. Because we're a massive club, mate. <laughs> I mean, it, would he view it as like an opportunity to put himself in the shop window for like the old firm? Because Celtic have been li- linked to them as well. And where on earth does that come from? Like, I don't, I don't understand. I, I just, I can't see Juve coming up in a million years. The keeper might. I think the most likely though is definitely Liam Lindsay. Um. And I think with Suter's injury woes, Liam Lindsay and Craig Halkett sounds like a, a very decent centre-back pairing. Um, and obviously maybe the keeper behind them as well. So, yeah, I'm encouraged in the in the defensive aspect of the, the, the Stoke City four that turned into three. But I can't I can't see the attacking, um, the attacking element coming up north, if I'm honest. Um, however... Other you attack- were right, by the way. It is Adam Davies. It is Adam his name. So you might just know what I I'm talking shit. Just, just, just cut the polls, mate, or whatever it was. But uh, just, just say the Davies. <laughs> just go with that. Who's Paul Davies? I don't. Who know. is he? I don't know. Why have I got him in my heat? I don't know. Um, but we'll move on to other attacking players. Um, a couple of which are Northern Irishmen that have had spells in Scotland. Before I get into a former cult hero of ours, what did you think when you heard the Liam Boyce rumour? My initial reaction was, well, that's no happening. (laughs) But then I was like, right, wait, let's actually think about this. So, again, much like Liam Lindsay, he's got experience in the league. He's he did really well with Ross County and rightfully earned his move down south. Now, he's currently, I think still, I don't actually know after this weekend's set of fixtures, but when I last saw he was the top goal scorer in League One. Now, can we entice someone... Now again, we speak about Juve. I don't know what Liam Boyce will be on at Burton, but I imagine we won't be able to afford his wages. So if it's a loan deal... Burton are going to have to pay his wages. And I don't know if he'd want to come back up here necessarily. However, if he does, I think we need to do anything and everything to try and get him. Absolutely. I mean, his Cliftonville and Ross County records speak for themselves. Um, Really impressive. And he was always one of those players that, even if he he wouldn't score, he'd just prove a pest. And I think we need some of that. I think in a in a high press game, he'd be he'd be a focal point and gets goals. I mean, like like you say, it's trying to entice him back up because I think we were supposedly in for him before he signed for Burton. Um, but then he's moved down south. I mean, why not? I mean, if 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 Burton are going to offer whatever they offered, which I'm assuming is a decent whack, like you say, then. He's got every right to try and prove himself down there. But with his deal up come the end of the season, we're obviously going to have to try and buy him out of his Burton contract if we want him now, or might we settle for a pre-contract maybe? Um, I don't know, but I'd, I'd, I'd certainly take Liam Boyce in a heartbeat. I think um, I think he's a great player. Uh, a player that... It's one of them, isn't it? Like You, you admire... Some other decent players from out with the old firm that you think, yeah, I'd have him, or yeah, I'd have him and and try and sell them on maybe, or I don't know. I mean, Hearts would be the biggest club that he's played for out the four of Clif- Cliftonville, 
Ross County, Burton Albion. I mean, hearts are bigger than probably those three put together. Um, but it's it's funny, isn't it? Because I mean, he's also he's he's doing well in a team that also contains David Templeton, Ryan Edwards, and uh, I think Scott Fraser, who is ex Dundee United, who I think we're also linked with. So yeah, I mean, if it happens, brilliant. But I don't know. the The, the jury's out for me as to whether it will happen or not. It, that would be some first signing as Hearts manager, though. Absolutely. God, imagine that. Stendhal's just like, I want to, I know who I want, why oh, get someone, and then we're just thinking, oh, it's just going to be this random guy we've never heard of. And he's like, oh, by the way, I've just went and got the League One top goal scorer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be quite that would be a, a great start um, to the January window, certainly. Um, but, however. We've also been linked with a move for his countryman and former Hearts cult hero. You might have to swallow your words here, but what's your thoughts regarding the move on Kyle Lafferty? Right, this is where I think we're going to have an interesting discussion. Because, so, I obviously literally last podcast went, I don't care anymore, I've I've held off saying it for months, but I want Kyle Lafferty back. Now, I don't know if that was kind of like a just angry reaction to whatever depressing game it was, I can't even mind. Um, and I was like, right, we just need a striker in who's going to get goals. And then, obviously, two nights ago, we were sat on Twitter and out of nowhere, the Daily Record just went, Austin McPhee's asked Kyle Lafferty if he wants to come back. <laughs> and it was like, okay, that's actually like a thing. It's not just fans going, we want Kyle Lafferty back. It's like, blah, blah, blah. Right. I said on Twitter, it depresses me how excited I was when I first saw that. And some people went, what do you mean it depresses you? Top goal scorer since John Robertson in a single season, blah, 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 blah. Like, did really well for us. Now, Kyle Lafferty unequivocally did really well for us. No one can argue against that. He's been our best striker we've had in recent years. And... When we left him, we never replaced him adequately. The reason I said it depresses me, obviously, I wasn't being serious. I'm not like, oh my god, this is the worst thing to happen ever. Like, all I meant by that was, is that it's it's a it's almost three reason fold. Now, one is a minor one. One is just because it's not his fault. I don't blame him, and it he has come out against it but it does in my opinion it brings out the worst in our support but for me just now that honestly isn't a massive issue i obviously in general football in terms it is and does need to be dealt with but the argument is we need to be we need to stay in this league and Kyle Lafferty could feasibly keep us in this league and that is all that matters just now I totally understand people's points where they are saying we don't want him at the club because of what he brings out. I totally get that. And if we were in another situation, I would I would agree and be against him signing. However, it just now we need him. Or do we? <laughs> because this is my other two points. And it's kind of a general one big point is I think he would come in and do well, but I don't necessarily think he would do as well because I don't know if he fits into Daniel Stendhal's system. What do you think? Well, um, I know the argument for the whole Stendhal system and thing and whatever. It, it is a tricky one. But I think ultimately, if his heart is here and he wants to come back, he's better than anything we have up front minus a fully fit Stephen mm-hmm. Naismith. Um, gets goals. I think... I know he obviously went back to Rangers, but listen, if that's if that's his boyhood team, who are we to to belittle him for that? I mean, I, if I was playing for East Fife and Hearts came in, <laughs> see you later. Like, I'm off. So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it... yeah, I never really understood the people that held that against them. Yeah, because exactly. If I was playing at Barcelona, Barcelona. and Hearts went, "Do you want a ten-year deal?" I'd be like, "Aye, sorry, 
but that's I want to go to Hearts, like I want to play for Hearts. And I know the argument is he's already played for his boyhood club, but that's like saying you could play a game for Hearts, leave, and then someone goes, "Do you want a couple of years deal so you can play loads of games at Hearts?" Of course you go, would. But you've already played for Hearts. It's like of no, you would. yeah, I totally agree. I never really understood the anger and frivolity towards him for that, but. But but the argument that you brought up about the, the, the play style is right, but I think the Celtic game, which obviously everybody remembers him for, I thought I thought he was the perfect example of a hard working striker that didn't give up on mm-hmm. like he chased down unnecessary balls and whatever and I think that was a case throughout his his heart's career, to be honest. I think he really was I think in his mind, he was always gonna use us as a stepping stone. But on the same score, I don't think he realised probably how big hearts are and how much we'd take to him. And it's going back to, I think I've brought it up on here, that certain players just fit a club. And I think Kyle Lafferty, whilst it isn't quite old firm calibre, is sort. we're kind of that tier below them in that, yeah, he'd do a job for us. Um and I mean, everybody knows my thoughts on Kyle Lafferty. As soon as he left, I was gutted, and I'd I'd take him back in a heartbeat. I'm sorry, I've I've been saying it for months. Ever since he got released by Rangers, I would have had Kyle Lafferty back like that. Um, that being said, I know there'll be folk that point out his his second spell at Rangers, his spell at Sarpsborg for the lack of goals and whatever. But he kept Sarpsborg in the league and. Ultimately, he's going to have to try and do the same for us. So, I don't see why it could work. But only if Stendhal has identified him as his man. Yes, obviously, and you you might need some help to try and convince him back. But if Lafferty's eager to sign, then, and it works for all parties, then I think everybody's content. And if he keeps us in the league, even if we signed him on a six-month deal initially, and he keeps us in the league, then... Who's to say that he won't have earned that year extension or whatever? So, if if his heart's in it and Stendhal's identified him, then why not? I'm I'm all for it to be honest with you, mate. For me, that's the biggest thing personally. Um, do I want Kyle Lafferty back at this moment? Yes, I do. If it if it gets announced tomorrow that Kyle Lafferty's back in the heart shirt, I'll be like, right, fine. I think we might stay up. Because yes, I do think he'd get goals. You speak about players who fit certain clubs. I totally agree. I I do understand the people's points when they're like, listen, since he left us, he's not scored many goals. Well, before us, he didn't score many goals either. When he was at Norwich and stuff like that, he wasn't getting me- very many goals. As you said, some some players just fit clubs. The one example I always think of, I, I know this is not at all similar quality, calibre or stature, but... I always think of Diego Forlan going to Man United, where at Atletico Madrid, he was absolutely flying, came to Man United, did really poorly, then went back to Atletico Madrid and then was just flying again. And it's just, sometimes players don't fit clubs, and sometimes players just fit clubs. And I think Lafferty would fit, does fit us. However, that is the big point. Has Stendhal went, I want him. Because it's been very funny to see a section of the heart support going, it's ridiculous Austin McPhee's still here. It's ridiculous that he's deciding players. And then when we hear that Austin McPhee's bringing back Lafferty, suddenly everybody goes, yep, see, knew we should have kept Austin around, but no one's actually questioned the fact that has Stendhal actually identified him? Now, I assume that if it's at the stage where we've made contact, Stendhal has said, yes, I want him. I think it would be very naive for Austin McPhee to make contact with a player without getting the manager's go-ahead and told, yep, I want them. But it is genuinely a valid thing going, is Stendhal going, I want this, this and this? And Austin McPhee's turned around and went, yeah, but I've got Kyle Lafferty. I think particularly with McPhee's current reputation under the fans, so if he were to go against Stendhal, it's kind of like for his own personal gain to kind of bring the fans back on his side and, oh, look, here's Kyle Lafferty for you. And I think, yeah, you're going on... The, the player fit. I think it does. I think it just it just works. It, it, 
you were right in that he didn't score that many before he signed for us. I think we are, if you look on his stats, possibly us or Palermo, I think, are his most prolific seasons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And obviously that was Serie B, so it's not even top tier. So we must be his most prolific top tier club. And I, I can't, I can't see why he wouldn't want it. And if Stendhal's given the green light, why we wouldn't want it? So it just it makes sense to me, mate. It really does. I, I can't see... I can't see if we've made the contact, him not signing. Well, we move from one player who the Hearts fan base seems to be very much united in wanting to a player that in the last 24 hours has kind of just come out of nowhere and most if not all of the Hearts fan bases went, you're all right. Do you want Jack Hendry? Absolutely not. No chance. <laughs> like, like like, I tweeted out, I think I'd rather see my grand take a bath than Jack Hendry in a heart shirt. There is absolutely no danger I want him anywhere near our club. Unless it's as an opposing player. No way. Sorry. No. No. No, no, no. We've tried the whole project thing from Dundee with Craig Whiten who's supposedly out the door, back to Dens. Nah. See you later. Celtic, send Jack Hendry to Dens. Give us Craig Gordon. I don't know who, who else. No thanks. Not not for me. You? Edward. <laughs> we'll take, if you didn't give us Jack Hendry, we'll take Craig Gordon and Edward. I feel that's a fair deal. They might give us Craig Gordon and Lee Griffiths. Now that that would send Edinburgh oh, into meltdown. <laughs> that would be that would make the Kyle Laffey oh conversation look like Michael Smith being told that he's getting captaincy. It would make it look like nothing to the Hearts fans. But I don't want to when I saw that Jack Hendry thing, I was like, one, where has this come from? Like it just seems to have just been like, Oh, we need a Celtic haven't really had any stories yet in the transfer window. Um, who's young? Uh, Jack Hendry. Who's needing players? Uh, Hearts. Right, Jack Hendry's got Hearts. Eh? It's like that. It's just came out of nowhere, and you're you're spot on. He wouldn't be better than what we have. I can't. I, he's just not good enough for us. He's not good enough for them. He's not good enough for us. He might be in a few years, but at this time, what we do not need is a young youth development player that. We'd, we'd be taking almost a gamble on because you're right we did that with Whiten and he has played 23 games for us and still hasn't had a shot on target we uh, we, we need we need certified and established would you would you take Liam Lindsay or Jack Hendry <laughs> is that a question that is actually do you know what I mean like how valid how how can some of our fans like seriously take want to take Jack Hendry on in what world is he good enough for us the world where Celtic apparently dictate all Scottish transfers oh Christ so no no thanks and if if Liam Lindsay comes in instead I mean I don't think I don't think anyone's going to moan that we should have signed Jack Hendry instead that is the big thing it's like if we do end up getting Lindsay imagine the people going right we do need to look at Hendry. It's like shut up. You know look that grass line instead. that the club have. The first, the first time mm-hmm. I'd hear we should have signed Jack Hendry instead of, instead of Liam Lindsay. I'm going to ring that grass line and insist <laughs> that there be lifetime bans on those fans. No chance. <laughs> Not good enough. Sorry. No way. Um, but you you touched on Craig Gordon there who's obviously out of contract in the summer, I had a wee browse on transfer market and I thought, who else in the SPFL Premiership is out of contract in the summer? So I thought we could run through some names and you could tell me whether you'd take or leave. You up for that? Absolutely, go for it. Right, so I've taken the screenshots on my iPad so I'm just going to shift through a couple that I think are are noteworthy. Um, I've got to be honest, there's a couple that, yeah, look all right, but nothing nothing really jumping out at me. Um, so, <laughs> obviously, the unrealistic one is Chris Boyd calling out a certain Scott Sinclair on a rumoured 40 grand a week. 
His deal's up in May. Imagine, imagine if Sinclair came to us, because we are the team that he is best against. Oh, his record against us is ridiculous. I don't... Now, it would mean that Helen Flanagan turns up. <laughs> There's another reason why I'm wanting uh, Kyle Lafferty to sign, because of his misses. <laughs> but I think, especially... Right, is he better than what we currently have? Which is Jake Mulraney? Yes. There's, so no, way, there's logic, no way he's coming to us. Nobody. Yeah, the logic is, if he wanted to come to us, absolutely. I don't think even if we got rid of half the squad, we could afford them for six months. No. No. Um, so next up is John Flanagan. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, no. I really don't like John Flanagan. I don't understand how he's at this level of football. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Craig Gordon, obviously, we're both advocates for yes. Yeah. Um, it's obviously sorting by value, so it's got that clown Herrera that's at Rangers. No. Oh, God, I. No chance. Yeah, you're right. Andy Halliday. Oh. Halliday's a weird one. Because I think on his day, he can actually be really decent. But in the last kind of 12 months, he's just no looked up to it. So I'd say no. I'm ruling out Johnny Hayes, straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen O'Donnell would be an interesting one. I, you know what? I'd take Stephen O'Donnell. So would I. Think, I. I think because even if he doesn't get straight into the squad, he'd be really good cover for a position we need covering. Yeah. Although that that might mean that your man Sean Clare's moved back in midfield. I actually just had him as a, as cover for Clare when he gets hurt or tired. Oh, I like it. Nice save. Nice save. <laughs> um, right. So obviously this is transfer markets valuation. So it goes into couple keepers uh, Trevor Carson of Motherwell and Vaclav Fladke of St Mirren not having either of them I don't think I'd I'd, out of the two of them I'd take Fladke over Carson wow okay because Fladke's Fladke's the best goalkeeper in the Premiership this season if you look at shots faced to goals conceded but he also conceded five to a rank rotten hearts team at Tynecastle he did, but then he also kept a clean sheet against both sides of the old firm in the last 12 months. Uh, nice, mate. Bit, bit preparation. <laughs> I exactly. Like it. Exactly. I'm I here, like mate. Um, just going to go down a couple. Uh, there's a Levy duo. Scott Pittman, Stephen Lawless. Haven't either of them? I've always liked Lawless, but I have no idea why. you taking him on a, on a pre-contract? You can what? Yeah, just because he's a wide option and we have nothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. Um, I'll go down, let's have a look. Uh, Chris Long at Motherwell, obviously scored the winner against us somewhat recently. Yeah, um, I've not, I'll be honest, I haven't seen much of him. But what I've seen, he looks alright, but I don't know if I've, I don't think I've seen enough to actually go, yeah, I'd take him. Yeah, it's, I mean, a, a Motherwell forward that was out of contract a while back in the form of Louis Moult I'd have snapped your hand off but I think I think Chris Long has mm-hmm. got a, a, a wee bit to go before he reaches that kind of reputation an interesting one I've seen here who I think would be a, a great fit for us um, as another goalkeeper so obviously if, if the Gordon move fell through or whatever you've talked about Fladke but what about Wes Fodderingham oh that's interesting because I always feel like Fodderingham, whenever we come up against them, I'm like, there's a higher chance we'd score. But then that never actually happens. So, and I I can't really think of a bad performance I've ever seen them in. Now, in fairness, because it's Rangers, I've only really watched them against us, Hibs and Celtic. So, that's kind of the toughest, and like Aberdeen. So that's the best teams, massive air quotes, because us and Hibs are in it. But that's theoretically the best teams in this league. And he's looked decent against most of them. I'm probably forgetting about a massive blunder that he had at some point. But I I think he's better than what we have just now. So on that basis, yeah. Yeah, I'd take him. And obviously, Alan McGregor, probably the best keeper in the league, is currently keeping him out. So it's not getting his game. Yeah, why not? I think I'd probably take him. Um, 
So they're they're kind of the main ones in terms of valuation. But I'm just I'm just looking along. I mean, there's a there's I think Matty Kennedy was linked with Aberdeen recently. Would you take Matty Kennedy at us and Dlens in May as well? Yeah, I would take Matty Kennedy because I think he's what he's really good at is just hitting a byline, and we don't have anyone who does that. Yeah, and 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 the St Johnston teammate Dre Wright, I think he's he's also not too bad. I'd probably take both of them. Their their deals both up in May, so I don't I don't see why not. Um. Yeah, very interesting. And I mean, I mean the rest are kind of aging players like kicking on, but Mikael Miller's another one who I'd probably take take a wee gamble on as a squad oh, player. Oh yeah, he scored an yeah, absolute that's... worldie against us. But I think he's actually a decent player. I was about to say, I think he would be a good squad player to have. Yeah, and ultimately you you were on about the lack of wide options. He, he predominantly plays on the flank or you could stick him up front. I like a bit of versatility, particularly in attacking areas. So, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd take Mikael Miller, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the list, obviously, I, I can post the link on Twitter for anyone that's interested in that. Or you can simply, I mean, I just Googled out of contract SPFL uh, transfer market, but obviously transfer markets without the E in market. Uh, that that site, which is a really good site actually, I, it helps me with my my Premiership previews that I do for who scored and whatnot. So good site, um, but yeah, I mean, is is there any free agents as well that you could think of off the top of your head, mate, that you'd maybe take? Um, obviously they don't have to be signed in January, but I mean, I'm just yeah. jumping out there because obviously Lafferty currently is. Anybody else that you've thought of? I swear I saw someone that Malumbu is. Yeah, I, that was the one I'd thought of, Yusuf Malumbu. I might have sent you that, actually. Um, but, yeah, I mean... It might have been you, because I would take him in a heartbeat. So would I, 100%. Um, I think I think he's a bit of an engine in midfield, isn't he? And I feel like we've touched on Andy Irvin previously. I feel like they'd complement one another really well. And that Malumbu could kind of sit and do the dirty work and obviously push up when needed. Irving can go and express himself, play, get us into attacking areas. Yeah, I, I I could see that being a really good partnership, actually. Especially when we're waiting for Herring to come back as well. Yeah, it would mean totally that agree. Irving, Irving constantly has a kind of experienced head beside him. And actually, I know we're speaking about transfers, but potentially a transfer coming out of the club. I want to ask quickly your thoughts on, on this, this whole Glenn Whelan debacle i'll give my thoughts in a bit but just generally what do you think i I was thinking about exactly that when you were on about malumbu kind of as a sitter and a wise head i mean i I touched on Whelan previously i I was a great believer in him um but if the gaffer doesn't fancy him it's not like i'm it's not like i'm in a qualified position to say oh no you've got to keep him or whatever and i touched on it here the only decent performance I can recall was at Easter Road and I'm sorry but in the situation that we're in I need an Easter Road week in week out and he's not he's not given that so I mean he'll free up some paper for us that we can reinvest in the squad if it's his wages or whatever but yeah I mean thanks for your service but ultimately it wasn't it wasn't great was it well this is this is the thing because it kind of reached other media because Stendhal and I think one of the main reasons that Hearts fans have taken to Stendhal so quickly is because of the fact that he's not afraid to just tell it how it is so in multiple press conferences when Whelan was just clearly left out the squad not that he was hurt or tired or suspended he was just left out the 18 he was often asked Stendhal why have you done that? And I think a lot of journalists, fans, general people in the media were expecting the typical political answer from managers, which isn't their fault. I totally understand why they do it when they're like, oh, we wanted to have some different options, we want to try a few new systems, a few new players. Stendhal didn't do that. Stendhal just came out and went, he's not good enough. How how can it be that a 17-year-old, in reference to Aaron Hickey, looks 10 times the player than Glenn Whelan when Glenn Whelan has had one of the most storied careers in the past decade and a half of British football. And you look at it and you go, right, Glenn. And the big thing that Stendhal said was that he has no leadership. And a lot of people took that out of context. 
one of the main ones was Stephen Elliott. Obviously, club legend for us. I love sleeves. Exactly, Scottish Cup hero. I love him. However, I do agree, and I, I tweeted this, I do agree that he was wrong in this situation. Because, of course, he's going to stick up for Whelan, saying that he's been a stonewall leader for both his club and country, wherever he's been, and that is unequivocal. He has been. No one's denying that. What people are denying is the fact that he came up to Hearts clearly with the intent just to keep his international career keeping going because Ireland were obviously ahead of a qualification push and he needed to play in the league and at a level that he would be able to stay inside that team. Now, obviously, their qualification didn't go well. So the playoffs aren't until March and clearly Whelan was just ticking himself over, just going, nah, I need to just prioritise my international football. And I totally understand that but then we don't need you at the club. Because especially in the situation we're in, it'd be different if we were flying at third, right? And Glenn Whelan isn't really trying, because you'd be like, well, we're playing really well. But when you've been brought in as an experienced head to control everything, and we're currently bottom of the week, and it comes out that you've put into your contract that you're not going to do media duties, so you're leaving it to your own teammates to take the flak. Like, Michael Smith seems to be in the media all the time, and he's been our best player all season. And it's like, he shouldn't be having to take flack. Whelan should have to answer for some of the things that he's doing. And I totally appreciate the fact that Stendhal's just been like, right, you aren't buying into this philosophy, so therefore you're out. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a 16-year-old just breaking into the game or a 35-year-old who's had a fantastic career. If you aren't with me, you're gone. And I fully stand by him with that. Yeah, it, it takes takes big balls. Um, I mean... You're right in that he's an experienced head that ought to be digging us out of this situation, but ultimately, if he's shying away from it, see you later. Thanks. Thanks for not a great deal, if we're honest. And Thanks for fuck all. Yeah, but the, but like I say, the the money on his wages could be spent better elsewhere. Um, it'll just be trying to shift him on. It's sad, really, because I, mean, I, I quite like Whelan, but... It's a it's a two way street, isn't it? So, if he's not up to the bill, then so be it, I guess. I saw someone say on Twitter, "He's the right player at the wrong time." Yeah, might might be spot on, might be spot on there. So we've discussed the Hibs defeat, the draw with the Dons, our transfer targets, Jake Mulroney's move to America, Glenn Whelan out the door, various incomings, but obviously. We've entered this new year. We have to put behind our Premiership performance of 2019. And Motherwell released a graphic recently, um, which obviously showed the the Premiership teams. Um, and we sit bottom of the pile um, with six wins in a calendar year. So from the 38 games played in 2019, Hart Midlothian played 38, won six, drawn 10, and lost 22, picking up 28 points, 9 less than Hamilton, 10 less than St Johnston, and 11 less than both Livingston and St Mirren. Daniel, what's your thoughts? I I couldn't believe it when I saw that table. I knew our 2019 was bad. No one could pretend that 2019 was a good year for Hearts as a club, but I think everybody went... Right, we're going to have more than six wins. And then you think about it, and you actually sit and go, no, wait, we haven't. Because you think about it, and most of the time, we've been coming away not without a win. And it is just... I mean, we, we this is only our third episode, and we've touched on it every single time. It just shows the shambles that Levine had and what he's left with and it simultaneously shows the job that Daniel Stendel has on his hands just now. I think it also shows just how worrying Budge's loyalty to Levine was and how you touched on 2019 being a bad year. It, it, it was in a league's aspect, but the Cups were the kind of the paper over the cracks. Yes. I mean, we, we still reached the League Cup semis both this season and last. Obviously reached the Scottish Cup final in 2019. 
took the lead against a treble treble chasing Celtic and lost but still Levine was in a job and this league form in the background was just just shadowing over that and I, I don't understand like 28 points from 38 games how many points is that that you could win 38 so that's 114 up for grabs is that right yeah yeah. I tell you yeah. what, up the top of that table, from the 114 that Celtic could have amassed, they dropped 20. They picked up 94 from 38 games. Meanwhile, we're sitting on 28. Can I just fucking say, by the way, see when Celtic fans go, oh, we're going through the tough times now. Are you? Look at us. Six wins in 12 months. Shut up. Well said. So yeah, shut up, Celtic. However, thank you very much for listening to this. I know that it's been long. We apologise for that. However, we hope you've enjoyed it because we've covered a lot. Um, So, Adam, first of all, where can they find you personally on Twitter? They can find me on Twitter at Adam T. Kendall. I am at MacIver the Mark. If you want to get in contact with us directly, we are on everything, basically, at Perth to Paisley. And if you want to send us an email... We are at uh, perthpaisley at gmail.com. We had a couple of comments on last week's episode, which I really appreciate. Um, I'm going to get them up just now. Two seconds. Uh, but basically, people were just generally saying that they're really enjoying the podcast. We really appreciate that. We've got, we're really going to go for this in 2020. Um, we're really, really looking forward to this. So thank you very much for all support. I apparently cannot see... I can see comments. Hooray. Um, Robson said good podcast guys and to keep it short I think we have to be looking at a minimum of four points against the Hibs and the Sheep well that didn't come through Robson very sorry about that that's my old workmate Stuart so Stuart's a great guy um, well so yeah we appreciate that Stuart but we got one however thank you very much we've had other people saying fantastic podcast guys keep it up so thank you very much if you want to get in contact with the show there's all your ways to do it we obviously then- thoroughly enjoy making it so it's a two-way street, guys. You you keep listening. We'll keep churning them out. So, yeah, thank you all very much for your support. We're hoping to leave 2019 behind. We need some new players under Dan, Daniel Stendhal. So let's hope that 2020 is a better year for us all. See you later. <laughs>